The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Back to the Brandon Peters Show and the final piece of the summer of '93 at 30. It's the summer of '93 at 30. And as always, always, it's been two of these summer of series, but as always, to help me bring the curtain down, the soundtrack to the summer of '93 at 30, Press Maxson. Yo, yo, Brandon Peters, thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be back on the BPS. Mm hmm. To close things out. Yep, Christmas time and the end of summer. That's our holiday time and the end of summer. That's oh, when, right. No, that's, that's my cadence. <laughs> that's when you come around. That's my cadence. <laughs> so, so for those of you who might only, if you didn't listen to the summer of '82 at uh, 40 or uh, '93 or 30 is your first one. Press has done the theme song for it. Uh, the summer of '93 or '30, and then he did the the uh, proclaimers, um, the news theme yeah. for it so yeah. thank you as always press for that so that's where it no goes. thank you so proud to be involved with that stuff and glad i mean honestly you have a a warm fan base that every, mm-hmm. every now and then i get tagged on twitter or something with somebody telling me that that it's stuck in their head so i'm here for it love it love it um also yeah uh, you, and you're also an accomplished author as we know it's true too yes thanks any new, new new stuff in the pipeline or New stuff in the pipeline, but if anybody you know is headed to the beach or has one more vacation in them left in the summer or a fall break coming up, I think I would recommend my most recent release called Bastards of the Revolution, a novel uh, about a modern-day historian who uh, finds the diary of a woman who claims she banged every founding father. So check that out if you're so inclined. Yeah, that one you got a lot of you got a lot of uh, press for that one. That I saw when that came out. I've been, yeah, I've, I've had publicity. a little luck. I've had a little luck, yeah, yeah, in that in that regard. It's so. a great concept. Like, oh yeah, this is good. This is good. Um, so, 1993. Where where was Little Press Maxinette in 1993? Yeah. Uh, fun fact: I think I was the same height in 1993 as I am now, and that's not a oh. joke. Like, I I growth spurted early. I was in the eighth grade, and uh, I. A couple highlights that year, when I think back to it, I was playing baseball very happily. I won a, I sold magazines through my junior high and I made, I I won the opportunity to spin a cash prize wheel. It was kind of like the wheel of fortune. There are little slots all along the way. And there was only one tiny sliver slot for 50 bucks. And the rest were like ones and twos and fives. And Mm -hmm. I won the 50. So that was... I kept that $50 bill for a long time. You blew up the Death uh, that, Star. That's what you did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I blew up the Death Star. I just, <laughs> uh, you know, a, 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 an, in, an in, what is it, an inhalation shaft or yes. something, right, right to the core. Uh, 
And um, yeah, that that year, I mean, that was a big year. I really, I remember really enjoying eighth grade and feeling like that was the year. I mean, don't get heavy on anybody, but that was kind of the year I stopped getting bullied. It was like the kids in our class were starting to be less primitive and start to kind of appreciate each other's talents. So I very specifically remember that year. That was the first year I ever played music in front of a big audience, like as a, as a, as like a rock and roller, not in okay. the school band or something. My two buddies and I, we did a Nirvana song at an all school assembly and people that had like been mean to me legitimately like later they were like that was the coolest thing we've ever seen and i was like wow i thought you hated me <laughs> you know like there was the, a, tar- a turning of the tide that year i, I remember not wanting had to that high sort school. of thing <laughs> yeah I, I i remember not wanting to go to high school thinking eighth grade was like this is awesome we and of hate. course once i got to high school i realized that was awesome too but there you go all right so uh Wait, the... where, so you've probably said it before and i missed it on the podcast where were you in 93 we're the same age right yeah, well, I, I was uh, I was eleven. So what grade is that? Oh, we're not. Sorry, I'm older. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was eleven. Um, so I don't know what grade I was flipping over to, but um, yeah, uh, middle school it was all right for me. Yeah. Uh, high school. You say you did something. You played a, a song. People thought you were cool. I so like jumping ahead to high school. I like made movies and stuff with my camcorder and things, and they show they sometimes they show them in the school, and I never got like that was cool. That was I was just like silence or just like weird. (laughs) Well, it wasn't it wasn't culturally acceptable. I've said many times this podcast that kind of stuff was not culturally acceptable. I was ahead of my time. I missed my window. Because the people are like, oh, that's what all the kids do now. It's cool. Yeah, you do it with your phone now. You make everything like. Right. Nope. 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 Yeah. Well, I was I was primitive uh, in there, but um, so press uh, uh, every person here does the music video episode has been asked about the movies on Monday. You've got a unique situation, and you're getting the the dump that was the final week of the summer of ninety three thirty, the Labor Day weekend one with two movies I did like, two movies, one movie abysmal, and one was meh. So, uh. The Son of the Pink Panther, ah, with Roberto with, Benigni as Junior Clouseau. Clouseau, wow. Okay, uh, I, I'll tell you, I actually never saw that. I I am a big fan of the original Pink Panthers. Okay. My favorite of those being Pin, Pink Panther Strikes Again, but that was like okay. what sixty-seven or sixty-eight yeah. or something. Just my guess. See, so I never saw. I didn't even. I'm thinking back. I, I remember the remakes with Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think I realized. Yeah. Wow. It, okay. Well, funny. It's funny story though. Um, not to repeat myself from the Monday episode, but I I was a blind spot for me. So for this show, I went back and watched every Pink Panther movie because <laughs> I, I when I was a kid, I turn them on. There'd be that cool cartoon. And then like yeah. it'd be real people, and I'd be like, "The hell's this?" And turn it off. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the Pink Panther. He sold carpet too. Like there was a carpet company that used the Pink Panther, or like, yes, or like uh, padding, the lining, or something uh, yes. they used. Uh, but I watched them all. I liked Shot in the Dark is a great film. I liked that one a lot. Um, the second yeah, one, and I, then I think Strikes Again was one of the one. There was some 
some bad stuff in there too. <laughs> like, well, Strikes Again is is hot and cold, but mm-hmm. before I know this is more about 1993, and, and what I'm about to say is not about 1993, but yeah. Strikes Again is the one that opens up with the chief, the former chief inspector mm-hmm. in the loony bin, and he's mm-hmm. like rehabbed. Yeah, and then he then Clouseau shows up, and he immediately reverts and becomes like an evil genius. And it's not that that's like a top down hilarious movie, but. My dad used to, we used to watch this with my dad and we laughed so hard, half because it was funny, mm-hmm. but half because my dad could not contain himself. My dad would start laughing until he was crying. And if you know my dad, it's not normal behavior. Oh, that's funny. But when, when Clouseau and Cato have the fight in the apartment and Cato puts his like staff, his combat staff, like through the television, mm. my dad, it's always my dad. That's so, good. yeah. That's good. Um, okay. Okay. So, what are the other two movies from the that? Three weekend? movies. So we have Calendar Girl, starring Jason Priestley. Okay. I, him. I don't. I don't that him well. and okay. his two buddy. It's in the like fifties, and him and his two buddies. One or maybe it's the sixties. Uh, one played by Jerry O'Connell decide. Oh, we're gonna go out and meet Marilyn Monroe. That's uh. That's, Interesting. Damn, not good. Um, uh, California with a K. It's the uh, Brad Pitt, David Duchovny. It's a serial killer right. movie where Brad Pitt pays this hillbilly uh, serial killer. Juliette Lewis uh-huh. is his girlfriend. This is not Natural Born Killers, but was yeah. it was it good? It's it's, it's interesting. It's it's uh, I I think it's stylistically good. I think a lot of people overvalue it, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's. Got I, some I've never styles. seen that one either. I'm really uh, failing. I don't know. You're that. fine. Uh, and the last one, Fortress, starring Christopher Lambert. Oh my god. And Kurtwood Smith. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm failing. I'm failing. I think the, the my biggest takeaway from this is that David Duchovny is just in a lot of productions that have the word California and some oh. clever little twist on the word California, whether it be California with a K or Californication. That's all I've come up with here. That works. Ex California files. Something like that. Yes. No, that's one I remember. Return well. to yeah. me in <laughs> California. So there we go. Um, all right. So we yeah, are right. we're gonna talk about uh and this is one of the biggest artists of all time, never talked about in this show. Uh we're gonna talk about Will You Be There? Parentheses theme from Free Willy. Uh the eighth single from Michael Jackson's eighth album, Dangerous. Uh, this was that era, the black, black or white, remember the time, jam, in the closet, heal the world. Uh, but it's most known, this song is most known as the signature song for the soundtrack of the film Free Willy. It peaked at number seven on the Hot 100, went platinum on its own, selling one million copies. Now, I'm up. we'll get back to the song in a sec. Dangerous. Let's, uh, let's talk the dangerous era of Michael Jackson. Do you... Do you think this is one of the? It's weird to say this, but like one of the more underappreciated uh, albums in his conversation because critic oh. and publication wise circle uh, the, the and since like they they appreciate it, but like I feel in the general populist conversation, like people like talk high about Thriller and Bad and then maybe off the wall, but I feel like Dangerous. They don't really talk about it as an album or like as good when I think it lived definitely like lives up to those. Like I feel like there's a big three he's got going yeah. there, and I think Dangerous is right there with them. But what's your opinion on that? 
Yeah. Here are my thoughts on Dangerous. I remember it as being kind of an epic thing. I was finally of the age to be much more into pop music. I mean, I was ignoring a lot of pop music when I was in elementary school because I loved the Beatles and that's all that mattered to me. I, I really didn't care about anything else. But when I was in eighth grade and Dangerous came along, they actually brought a screen into our lunchroom and showed the black and white music video, you know, with all the transformation happening. Right, yeah, yeah. And I I remember thinking, this is really cool. I've never seen this before. And it melted my mind on how they did it. I didn't understand how they did it. So in retrospect, I look back and I think, okay, we're sort of out of the era of classic Michael Jackson um, there's a lot of solid songs on Dangerous. I mean, just gorgeous melodies, like killer grooves. But I don't feel like I hear some of that early Michael vibe that just makes you dance. I mean, when you hear like, um, you know, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough and stuff like you almost can't help but move to that or Billie Jean or something. When, But when... You hear something from Dangerous, it's a little bit, I don't know if produced is more the right word. It's definitely a little bit of a different sound. Melodies are strong. Chord progressions are strong. Like musically, it hangs together. But for me, it just doesn't have like the swagger. But at the time, I remember being like, like this guy is the biggest thing in the world. He's only keeps getting bigger. Dangerous felt bigger for some reason. Right. I think maybe maybe it's like the return of the Jedi to the, the three, the three, the album run with uh, thriller, bad, and then this. Where it, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying there with those. Um, they feel uh, I, I, there's a little bit more like hip hop of that era influence. I think going on in there. Um, like yeah, do you remember the time? Definitely. It's kind of ballady, kind of dancey, but I'm not sure it's like you'd see a hall of people dancing to it. Even though the video's got a lot of the Egyptian theme with Magic Johnson and Arsenio Hall stuff dancing but you know you know what it makes me think of it's kind of like i think your your um analogy to return of the jedi or your your parallel to return of the jedi is sort of a nice one because for the first two movies there just like call it thriller and bad Mm -hmm. you feel like as an artist, Michael had something to prove still in those yeah. earlier albums. You're fighting to like get on top. You're like, you're still fresh. By the time you get to Dangerous, by the time you get to Return of the Jedi, everyone thinks you're a legend already. Yeah. And now the weight is there to create something that continues your legacy. You're not scrappy and fighting anymore. Now you have a bigger budget, you have way more resources. But you still have to prove you're that creative self and you you can do something on par with these other things. That's how it feels to me. I know I'm projecting here. I have no clue what was happening behind the scenes, but that is what this album feels like to me for Michael. Yeah, definitely. Like, And then his next one, he'd, he'd package it together with the greatest hits, with History, the one that had Scream right. and stuff. So it's hard to judge. Like That one got overshadowed by... Right. legacy like you know kind of celebrating a legacy and here's here's new songs as well but that that one had some solid stuff as well it was, it was yeah but yeah this yeah, Boy, i almost forgot about this dangerous was a huge moment even if it's not bad or thriller it's still like yeah it, i mean it it it's one of the best-selling albums of all time like 32 million copies eight eight times platinum like 
It's insane. Um, the world yeah. tour was like massive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I recall, like, like that was like. I think when you I see, don't, uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I feel like that was the first mega world tour of Michael's I'd ever heard of. Yeah, that's the one when that you, whenever you see people like at a concert, like crying, watching him. It's usually, I think it's the dangerous tour is right. where that's coming from. You're like, oh my god, Michael! Right, and he's like, Diana of tears. But yeah, like, and there's yeah, yeah, this dangerous era is crazy. So the song, will you be there? was originally it's on the album it's longer on the album it's got an interlude it's got a <laughs> prelude and like some little interlude that they snipped out for the single version but it's the longest song in michael's discography at seven minutes 41 seconds um well here's you know here's a funny anecdote uh i think the first i really became aware of the song uh i mean i saw free willy and everything mm-hmm. that was like important but my eighth grade choir I'm pretty sure we did this song. And mm. I think I, if I wasn't playing piano for it, I was definitely singing it in the choir. I don't, I don't really okay. remember. Um, but years later, uh, I don't, I, I'm not like a DJ or anything, but uh, I'm dangerous enough and know my way around a playlist, know my way around sound equipment enough to yeah. have DJed several of my friends' weddings. Yeah, uh, they know they can get me really cheap, and they know that I'm gonna just play like their favorite stuff. And they almost always say, "Sure, take requests," but never at the like expense of one of our must plays. Like right. they they would always give me. I always asked for a must playlist and a do not playlist, and the must playlist almost covered the whole evening. Almost, you know, so. The very first wedding I did for like this one circle of friends that I played several weddings for, a guy comes up to me. He's like, need to hear, will you be there by Michael Jackson? (laughs) And my, my knee jerk reaction was like, dude, not a chance. Like it's not on there. It's not on their don't playlist. But like, I was like, I, I was like, (laughs) it's not anywhere close to their must playlist. Like they didn't, this was a couple that had like, pretty much no Michael on their list at all. And I was like, and if you're going to do like at a wedding, if you're going to like do something that the bride and groom hasn't asked for, like you got to be pretty sure it's going to like wail. So it's like, if I'm going to do any Michael, we're doing Billy Jean, you know? And this guy was like, no, I'm telling you this room will explode. If you do, will you be there? And I was like, get out of (laughs) here. And like five minutes later, another guy comes up and is like, Hey man, do you have "Will You Be There" by Michael Jackson? And I was like, "What?" I was <laughs> How like, "How much no, did I that guy here. pay you?" And it turns out, yeah, it turns out they're all—they've all decided they want it, and they're all coming one by one. So I was ultra <laughs> wrong. I hit play on this thing, and I—the guy was right. The room explodes. Oh I my mean, gosh. they're just like—they're singing to the whole thing, oh my and God. and. I played a, a wedding again, like years later for the same circle of friends and same exact thing happened, uh, except this time when they, the first guy asked, I said, look, I was like, it's going to take a lot more than one of you requesting it. I was like, I know what happens. But like, I was like, it's going to take like at least 10 people in here. And like, they had it within minutes, oh you know, they gosh. had the 10 you know, within minutes, but it, uh, in retrospect, what's the like, backstory I, I, on this? Like, I, I wish I knew. Oh my gosh! Okay. I wish I knew. 
Um, but they, this crowd loved it. I mean, it, it like room turned to 11 when that happened. That's a weird um, And because pick. of that, well, because of that though, it's like, I've given the song a chance way more than I ever would yeah. have. But bold claim here, and we can talk about it. When I rewatched the music video for the first time since 93, yeah. before this Zoom call earlier in the day, mm-hmm. I, it made me, it, it made me <laughs> dislike the song more. And we can talk about it, but I, I will forever relate this song with those weddings. Obviously, not free Willy. No, no free. Willy. Uh, that is why. Because like, if you said, I will give you ten guesses and a bonus guess as to what Michael Jackson song they kept coming up, I would have forgot this one existed. Like, I, I would, know. I would never. I mean, okay, uh, Billy Jean, no. Beat it. Nope. Thriller. Nope. Bad. Nope. Dirty Diana. Nope. Smooth Criminal. Nope. Right. Uh, the Way You Make Me Feel. Nope. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the banger. Rock that's With You. Uh, nope. Don't Stop to Get. Nope. Still going. Mm-hmm. Um, remember the Time. Nope. Black or White. Nope. Scream. Yeah. Nope. Like, I would yeah. never have got to this. Heal the World would have come up before this. Man in the Mirror. Heal the World would have come up before this, man. Like, I, I, man in the mirror is yeah. such a jam. Uh, like I would have like, uh, yeah, pretty young thing like PYT like they're starting something like what? Oh, PYT is a jam too. <sighs> okay, so yeah. all right, that's crazy. So, yeah. um, so anyway, yeah, yeah. So the the idea for Free Willy was to do a new song, but there wasn't time. Because they did a test screening of Free Willy, it did really well. They got to bump up their music budget. One time they got Michael, but one time, so music executive Jerry L. Greenberg suggested this song, and uh, then hmm. through all this stuff, uh, Michael Jackson got hit with a copyright infringement lawsuit from the Cleveland Orchestra uh, for using Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Nine as a prelude on the album version. It got settled out of court. And then an Italian songwriter, songwriter Albano Carisi, said it copied his songs, The Swans of Balaka, and a court favored Carisi because Michael Jackson didn't show up for the case, but then they did a follow-up case months later and favored Michael Jackson as both songs sounded similar because they may have been inspired by the Ink Spots 1939 song, Bless You for Being an Angel. Uh, this music video we're about wow. to t- talk about uh, also won the 1994 MTV Movie Award for Best Song from a Movie. So oh, okay. uh, this music video is directed by Vince Paterson. Uh, so he also in his directing work had directed Blood on the Dance Floor for Michael Jackson and this In Search of Dr. Seuss TV movie, which starred Matt Frewer as the Cat in the Hat, but also starred Kathy Najimi, Christopher Lloyd, David Paymer, Andrea Martin, Patrick Stewart, and Billy Crystal. I never saw this thing, but now huh. I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, he appeared yeah, in... Yeah, that's the- an interesting... Yeah. Um, he appeared in the videos for Beat It, Thriller, and Weird Al's Eat It. And that's because this huh. guy's a big choreographer. So I'm about to just... All star here. Uh, he, chore- he was a choreographer for Thriller, Van Halen's Hot for Teacher, the movie Mannequin, 
the Michael Jackson uh, videos for The Way You Make Me Feel, Smooth Criminal, Moonwalker. Um, he also did uh, the choreography for Madonna's Express Yourself and her 1990 Blonde Ambition Tour, Truth or Dare, uh, the, movie, the movie Hook, uh, The Birdcage, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, Closer, and The World is Not Enough's teaser trailer. <laughs> I don't know. So... So wait, this is the you're, you're the still director of the, the video. Movie. Yeah, this wow. is the director of the video. Body of work, I, crazy, c- crazy body of work. No disrespect, except this is going to sound disrespectful. Yeah. I'm wondering what the straight up f he actually directed in the music video. I'm guessing it's Michael Jackson's <laughs> concert footage. Like I'm betting he was choreography did choreography okay. for his tour. And that's why they're like, well, let's give it to him because we're not going to credit the director of Free Willy with this music video. So that's because my this, guess. Okay, because this music video is, in my opinion, a lazy music oh, video. It's... One of the laziest where where you just hand a guy in an edit bay say, hey, here's the movie Free Willy. <laughs> here's a Michael Jackson concert. All you have to do is jigsaw puzzle little clips together. Yep. We'll see it in two days. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, no, it's it is it is a the the weakest of soundtrack videos that you'll ever see. Yeah. It's it's foot they True. might even have added whale stock footage that's not in Free Willy in here just to kill time. It um, feels like it. Yeah. It's got Michael Jackson performing in concert. The funny I got cracked up when they there are some edits and stuff where they try to match things Michael's doing on stage at a totally unrelated concert to parts yes. from the movie, like hand motions and like whale jumps and Michael coming back like with his arms out. And then when yeah. the kids like doing this and they show Michael on stage, like doing stuff, I was, I thought that was pretty funny. It's just, it's a garbage music video. There's not like, we have nothing to talk about this music video. Like it is literally, I mean, here, here's what we can talk about. <laughs> Cause okay. I agree. It just, to me, it feels like, Hey, we need a music video. Like when you said that it won the MTV music award for song of the year, right? The for song, a song from, from a, movie. a movie, not music right. video. And it was the right. movie awards. I thought not you were going to say video. that. I okay. thought you were going to say that. <laughs> and I was about to throw this chair through that window. <laughs> I was like, what a sorry excuse for a music video. I, it just feels like this is one of those things where the marketing department says, hey, we really need a music video. And like, we what's are the le- fast yeah. way we can do it? Well, they are like legit done promoting Dangerous at this point. Like that, this is the eighth yeah. single. There was a ninth single and I think it was only released in one country and I don't think they did a video for it. But right. like, yeah, this is the eighth single and it's like six months, five or six months after the previous single. So they were, that marketing push was right. done. Like- and eight singles, even for 1993, is a lot. That's a lot. So this was primarily yeah. selling yeah. Free Willy soundtracks. Because if you hadn't bought Dangerous by now, this song wasn't getting you to buy it. Like, you're going to buy the Free Willy soundtrack. Right, right. I know that, you know, I know Michael's a polarizing guy. And I am not here to defend him or accuse him. And I... I have also not shared my personal opinion on the matter mm-hmm. uh, of his reputation. I mean, cause I also think about other artists who I really love Picasso, Hemingway, yeah. 
there's plenty of evidence that these guys were like not like nice people, not loving, caring people. HP Lovecraft. There's tons of them. Yeah. Oh, tons of them. So I'm not prepared to really go into the discussion of Michael's legacy and stuff. I will say that though, in retrospect of what Michael went through late in life and of what his accusers have like kind of brought into the public discussion Mm -hmm. after his death, there were moments watching this music video where it's starring a little, it's starring a boy, like a early teenager or a late almost teen. Um, And it's all, I mean, it's about love and support for one another and stuff. And I got to say that I I noticed it. I noticed it. And Mm -hmm. like I said, I'm not, I'm not sharing my opinion on, on things, but I just thought how even in Michael's weakest music video moment, now somebody who was not really too much of a fan during his lifetime, Mm -hmm. like my, I go there because of what has happened. Like it was hard not to notice. I think that's the only, the only thing that (laughs) like the only kind of topic Because like you said, we have nothing really to talk about in the composition of the video itself. There's no story being told. Mm -hmm. There's no like real artistry there other than in the edit, like you said, of like some, you know, some clever little editing Easter eggs, you know. But uh, I will say I watched it and I I could not help it, but my mind could not help to go to that story being told about my yeah, with Michael, like, I was a fan back in the day. Like, he was just larger than life, and, like, he mm-hmm. made banging songs and stuff like that. But, like, I'm able to still enjoy the music. Um, and it's, you know, that's each individual's way they have to deal with things. Yeah. You know, with... you, could, I Someone can acknowledge that, like, you know, he did that stuff. But I mm-hmm. still enjoy them. You know, the, the, it's a lot. Like everybody's going to have to deal with things with an artist yeah. differently, and that's oh, up yeah. to somebody else. You can't, you can't because you feel that way about someone you've never met, and people that yeah. like, like everybody's going to be different, and you have to allow people to have that kind of different when it comes to things like, like this with artists and things. When you get to world leaders and stuff i think there's a diff- bit of a different what realm of it's a bit of a different measuring stick um yeah. but yeah so that's someone's own way they have to like like deal with that stuff and like with michael too there's a difference because michael wasn't a like singer songwriter he was a production like you have like i was talking about right. thriller that is like people making a movie right there there's quincy jones there's eddie van halen in there they're all everybody's work so their works there John too Lando, yeah. yeah 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 there's there's so many people's work on it like a like a beyonce is the same thing she's a production of like mm-hmm. she does write i mean they do these they do have writing credits but they're more about what's the next show we put on for you and put it together right. as opposed to somebody like a their medium like a back or somebody music. Yeah, right. It's, Their it's, medium it's, isn't just the music. Yeah, it's entertainment, or or like a it's not a Beck or a Taylor Swift type person to throw it to the kids. What they uh, you know what they like it where yeah. they're, they're, I would are, argue Taylor's getting close. Taylor's getting close. Um, Beck is a good example. Yeah. Uh, yeah, your Beck, a lot of your bands, things like that. Like, mm-hmm. 
it's a production. It's it's like I was talking about earlier in this, like Dr. Dre. Like I, um, you know, to bring full circle of this summer uh, music video discussions that have gone on. Like I see Dr. Dre through this. I saw this light with him where I'm like, he, I'm sure he has some sort of ego, but he's not afraid to shine the spotlight. He's about the production. Like cause his, his yeah. early hits, Snoop Dogg leads off and he's showcasing that guy, not himself, in his own music. And it's because the Chronic, his album to him, is a production. Like it's a it's this thing called the Chronic, and it is what it is, whether I'm here or there or whatever, I'm putting it together. I I I act and star in this picture, but you know, there are these other people, and I feel like he treats his stuff like a, a big production. Uh, and you're supposed to enjoy it as a whole, and the individual songs are productions, and he doesn't need to be the star of them. He just wants to be the director of said things. So, like, I yeah. feel like with, with you know, Michael like that, it's like, oh, what's, you know, the non- new Tom Cruise movie would be like the new Michael Jackson album. You know, like, there's Tom Cruise right. in the movie, but Tom Cruise has also hired a director. Like, Michael's, Michael's not an idiot. He's producing, helping produce, like he's picking the people to work with and assembling yeah. a team, but the team puts work together too. Like I think a lot of people when they dismiss a lot of these art don't realize you're one person you're getting crappy about, you're dismissing thousands when you when you want to like turn your nose up or, you know, I get some people might be hard, but some other people may be able to, to sit through it where you can't, but there's other people who put in good work. You know, what if someone's best the best costuming design they ever worked on, they're most proud of, is in a Kevin Spacey movie. Like, what if, you know? Right. So, yeah. You know what I think is interesting about Michael? I, like what you said, he's he's trans transcended the uh, the role of just singer songwriter. I think he was one of those artists, though. Like you're talking about a whole team of people. I totally agree. But I think he's one of those artists with a like CEO level personality right. and a CEO level like of leadership. Yeah. Like, you know, and he I have. So here's my Hollywood story for the day. For, All right. For people who have never heard me on this podcast before, you then you don't know that Brandon and I lived in L.A. <laughs> At the same and time and never like, the same time. went to the yeah, same places. Like, uh... yeah. Who knows? Maybe we did. Maybe we met somewhere along the line. What was that little room. place on Melrose that people played shows at a lot? I went to a lot there. Was that- uh, there's a couple, at least a couple that I I remember. There it was, was like the really gig. black. I remember the gig. Was it the gig? The gig on Melrose. We played at. That was it. Times, that yeah. was it. Yep. I went to plenty of yeah. shows there. Uh, yeah. Maybe we were in the same room once. Um, well, anyway. Uh, I have a friend who worked at Oceanway Studios and worked for the producer Jack Joseph Puig, who's like pretty famous and mm-hmm. known more for being like the fixer producer than the than the first producer. But this friend of mine was at the time, I think his title would have just been like engineer, you know, was mm-hmm. just sitting at the board and doing what people told him. He he's my age, uh, which meant at this time he's 24, 25, somewhere like that. And Michael was in there, I don't know doing what, but he tells the story that that Michael had basically recorded an entire album in his own studio at his house and would then bring, I mean, he'd get the demos perfect. Mm-hmm. Then he'd come to an actual studio and he'd re-record the entire thing, uh, pretty much note for note what he had already done at home. Mm-hmm. 
but where appropriate used real horns or real drums instead of synth, you know, like that kind of stuff. But by the time he got in the studio, Michael already had like the level of understanding of the music that he knew exactly what he wanted. He was the unquestioned boss. And my friend tells a story of him going in the vocal booth and just saying like, okay, I'm going to do a take of just the breath on like this one section. So he said he'd stand there and he'd literally do something like something like 30 times. And it was just like to the point where everyone's just sitting there watching going like, what is he doing? He's been doing it for like a minute and a half. And then finally he'd like stop. He'd be like, that was the one. That last one was the one. That's the one we'll use. Okay, let's move on. You know, and you're just like that particular. Dang. Yeah, that particular. That orchestrated, that particular. Um, so I don't think you get that that like level of um kind of production IQ and level of particular taste uh very often. Um, I, I think I think there's something to be said for just going in and feeling the moment with your band and whipping it out. But I do think it takes a special talent, a different different kind of talent to have that level of precision and that level of of uh, attention to every single like moment of your record. Well, I mean, there's uh, like overdoing too, like Axl Rose. You remember the Chinese <laughs> democracy? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, as as a musical artist, I know that that there are times when I can overthink it, for sure. But I mean, I'm not. I'm not Michael Jackson by far, and mm-hmm. I'm not even an Axl Rose. There's a lot Axl Rose does that's really impressive. Um, I can't say I'm like a huge fan anymore, uh, but I also can't. I'm not here to discredit what he has done and like what he can do. He's a creative thinker and a good singer, mm-hmm. and um, like I know where my limit is. I know I could never. I would be overthinking too fast, you know. And I'm not sitting here and saying, like, I'm not ready to accuse Michael of overthinking anything when he, like, turns out. Like, you just you just yourself single-handedly listed amazing songs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say any of that was overthought. They were gorgeous. So, anyway. Yeah, that's one Michael's story that's not even mine. It's handed down from my buddy who uh, who was in the who was in the booth for that. And he had, that guy actually lives in Indiana now, lives over okay. here in Carmel. So. Gotcha. Michael once lived here too in Indiana. <laughs> once, yes. Once. Well, he bought. He also bought the car for Ryan White up in Cicero over mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I I heard this also on fairly good, um, fairly good authority that when Ryan White died, uh, you know, big public funeral uh, up in Cicero, and. Michael flew in for it with Donald Trump because Donald Trump, Michael's playing at the Taj Mahal in New Jersey Mm -hmm. uh, when Ryan White died. And so Trump brought him in with uh, on his plane with uh, with him when they traveled together to the funerals. What uh, is going to sound crazy, but is what Ryan White's mom told me when I met her. Um, Yeah, because she if you like. Uh, cause they get the, we have a, the Indianapolis children's museum. We have an exhibit, the power of children. And there's a Ryan white exhibit there. And his mother yep. is usually there daily. I, it's like, I, I want She doesn't live in town anymore, but it's like, she's in once a month or something. Oh, yeah, and she something. just sets up a card. Table. 
Yeah, she sets up a card table, puts out her her photo albums, and will talk to anybody about anything. You know, she'll she'll tell you how many celebrities sat at her kitchen table, or she'll tell you the trials and tribulations of being a wife and a mom whose child has AIDS, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, because I because when I um, when I first moved back here, I, I auditioned for a part at the Children's Museum. Um, oh wow! They're an opening, and they told us about like okay, so. His mom <laughs> is here all the time. Yeah. Like she's here a lot. Yep. Um probably talk to her like if you're gonna be playing Ryan White in our little thing, she gives you tips and stuff like that. She's she's yeah. really kind about everybody, but she can be particular about things. So of course. Like, oh, okay. Of well it's her son. So yeah. Um wow. but that was yeah. Well if you drive by the house in Cicero, it looks exactly the way it did. When Michael Jackson walked mm-hmm. up that front walk and through the threshold and and looks exactly the way it did when they parked that Mustang that Michael bought for Ryan Wright right in the on the front lawn as sort of a tribute to Ryan when he died and people put flowers all over it and everything. So the yeah, the Michael Jackson Indiana ties are strong. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, so this is uh yeah, this is crazy because like I would say with Michael there's a point where, well, I mean, three biggest like solo acts of all time. You'd be like, what, Elvis, Michael, and Madonna? Like, at one point, Elvis, that Michael was like, Brooks. That was a, yeah. yeah. Uh, but at this time too, and to wrap it up, bring it back. Janet Jackson was blowing up this summer. This was the Janet mm. album, and she had two hit songs that we talked about already in the summer of '93 at 30. Um, so she was. This was her year of coming out on her own not being in the shadow of things and she would i go on probably to equal or more success at this point of michael um well he'd have history next and then he wouldn't have another one till his final album butterflies um in the early 2000s so yeah all right but that'll that'll wrap us up here for the entire summer of 93 at 30 and press uh thank you so much again for your for your tunes and being here and your enthusiasm and your friendship means a lot to me oh dude your friendship and enthusiasm means a lot to me i i love being a part of this and i i sort of love this um uh you know thing that we've that we've gotten into with um uh closing out the seasons yes. like it means a lot to it's kind of I, I like being a small part of each one but i love when i get the invite so i can't say thank you enough I would also just like to plug one last thing. I'll be back this Christmas um, when Brandon and I talk this holiday season. Sorry, when Brandon and I dissect the Folgers coffee commercial, brother and sister meet at Christmas. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Is it a series of commercials or is it just one? It is actually a series of commercials. Because I know like, Folgers would make soap operas out of their commercials. Because when there one with like yes. some couple like kept missing each other or something, or they had one with a couple that was right. like a huge deal. All right, all right. Well, all. what what I'm looking forward to talking about this Christmas is that it's a it's like a legacy of commercials and like the the one that's that the, I remember as being like really epic. Mm-hmm. It, it could not have existed without the legacy that built up to it a little bit. Okay, and and that's what we're gonna we're gonna discuss that. 
All right, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. One thousand percent. Okay. Uh, so next, um, next, next summer presses back for two thousand four at twenty. Uh, we already talked that uh, before we got on the air. So uh, he's gonna have some more jams for us. And uh, but until then, where can people um, keep up with you and find your books that are so wonderful? Yeah. Thank Thank you for asking. You can follow me at uh, on Instagram at Press Maxon. On Facebook, find me Press Max and P R E S M A X S O N. And of course, you can buy my books on Amazon. It's probably the best place, and they are priced to move right now. So there is not a better time to find a book by Press Max and to read. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KHD, written work at whysoblue.com. I'm taking a week off. And when I return, Sabina Graves joins me again so we can reflect on the current summer we just finished of movies 2023 and look at our uh, predictions thoughts and stuff uh, full aftermath but till then stay from positive it's the summer of 93 at 30 thank you for listening the brandon peters show is a creative zombie studios production produced by brad shoemaker and brandon peters written and edited by brandon peters Announcer vocals by Jessica Osman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. The summer of and news themes by Press Maxson. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.